Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When's the last time you heard a sermon on repent? You don't hear it very much nowadays. It's an unpopular word because people, if you tell people that they, that they have to repent, then that means they have to admit they've done something wrong. And folks don't like to admit they've done something wrong. Have you ever met somebody who they just cannot ever say they were wrong? Anybody mean anybody? I, they just can't say it. I mean, you can say, look, man, just say you were wrong. It's okay. Say you were wrong. Just say it. Go ahead. Say it. Pound. Come on, man. Pound. Say it with your story. Come on, man. Say you're wrong. I, I'm sorry. I was, uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. They can't even say it. They can't say they was wrong. Say you were wrong, man. I was wrong. No, wrong, 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 wrong. Oh, I was wrong. They can't say it. People don't want to admit they're wrong. People don't want to be told they're wrong. They don't want to be told that they're living the wrong way. Jesus says you need to repent. You take a note, you write this down. The word repent means to change your mind. It actually means to change your direction. It means to turn around and do a U-E. You are going that way. It means to turn around and go that way. It's the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia. It means to turn around and go the other way, to change your mind, to change your thinking, to change your lifestyle. And don't confuse sorrow with repentance. Sorrow is an emotional remorse or grief, and plenty of people have that. Pastor Jeff Rudd heads up our prison ministry here, and if you ask the prisoners, are they sorry? Many will say, yeah, I'm sorry I got caught. Sorrow and repentance is different. Godly sorrow or repentance says, I'm sorry I hurt the heart of God, and I will never do that again. And you can see the difference between sorrow and repentance between Judas and Peter. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and he threw the money on the floor, and he said, I've betrayed innocent blood. And he went out and he committed suicide. And he could have repented, but he didn't, and he died. That was sorrow. Peter betrayed Jesus, and he went out, and he wept, and it produced a change in Peter. One way leads to life and restoration. The other way leads to depression and suicide. And Jesus says the issue of the world is it needs to repent or perish. So they would say, well, what about that tower that fell on the 18? Or what about the blood that was mixed with the sacrifices? They're saying to Jesus, that's not fair. How come they died? Isn't it amazing how quickly people are to say that God's not fair? And it's also amazing when all the bad stuff in the world happens, people say that was God. Well, why did God 
let the hurricanes come to Haiti or the earthquakes come to Haiti. And why did God do that? And that's just not fair. And how could a loving God send people to hell? Anybody ever heard that? How can a loving God send people to hell? Listen, a loving God never sent anyone to hell. People send themselves to hell by their rejection of God. Does anybody understand, agree with that? God doesn't send folk to hell. Did you hear me? God does not send folk to hell. Folks send themselves to hell. He sent his son to die on the cross so they wouldn't have to go there. You see, that came from the Bible. Don't go there. That comes out of the Bible. Don't do it. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. Jesus came into the world so you wouldn't have to go there. I'll wait while you clap your hands because that's the truth. That's the truth. People accuse God of not being fair. And people talk about, you know, the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of men. And they talk about predestination. Predestination says that God has chosen some to be saved and some are never going to be saved. Well, listen, God chooses us, but we also have the responsibility to choose him. And they say it's not fair that God chose some or God ordained some or that God picked people to be saved. So then the question always arises, how do I know I'm picked? And I say to them, well, do you want to be saved? They say, no. I say, well, then you ain't picked. (laughs) Simple. You want to be saved? Yes. Well, then you're picked. Listen, if you leave today and you don't get saved, then you'll know you weren't picked. But here's the good news. God, listen, you love it. God wants everybody picked. Did you know that? He wants, I'm, I'm on the way. It's true. It's true. He wants everybody picked, whoever will let them come. Anybody. He wants everybody picked. I got to agree with D.L. Moody who said this. He said, I'm sure glad the Lord picked me before I was born because I don't think he would have picked me after I'd done some living. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else? Don't lie. Raise your hand. Anybody else? You in church? Some of y'all ain't raising your hand. Didn't your mama tell you it ain't good to lie in church? God wouldn't, you know, God wouldn't have picked you if you'd done some living. It reminds me of this story of this young black kid in Memphis, Tennessee, who wanted to join his conservative fundamental church. And the elders asked him, he said, he said, they said, how did you get saved? And he answered, well, I did my part. God did his part. And the elders thought they had him. So they asked him, well, what was your part and what was his part? And the boy replied, well, my part was sinning. I ran from God as fast as these rebellious legs would take me and my sinful heart would lead me. I ran from him, but you know, he done took out after me till he done run me down. (laughs) That's deep theology. That is deep theology. See, you know, some folks think they get deep theology. Oh, Father. In thine sovereign will of thine predestination, eschatology, soteriology. <laughs> People think, oh, that's deep. That's deep, man. You deep. You use all these big, deep words. Everything ending with ology. Oh, that's deep. No, that's not deep. You know what's deep? What's deep is God done took out running after me and he done run me down. That's deep theology. If you can get that, 
You can get anything. Did you hear me? If you can get that, you can get anything. God came looking for you. You were not looking for him. Some people say, oh, I'm so glad you found God. That's so nice. You found God. I'm like, no, 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 no. Somebody told me that one time. I said, no, 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 I didn't find God. Because two things. Number one, I wasn't looking for him. And number two, he wasn't lost. I'm just trying to keep it simple. He wasn't lost. I didn't find God. God found me. He then took out after me, and he done run me down. And I've been caught for 27 years. You understand? Are you getting me? Are you getting me? That's all God. That's not you. So in our context, they're saying to Jesus, Jesus, that's not fair. How come they died and Jesus is turning it around and saying, how come you're still alive? Well, look at verse 6 through 9. We just read it. After the warning, unless you repent, you'll be likewise perish. Jesus uses a parable to illustrate a principle of God's judgment. And here are two principles. I want you to write them down. The first principle is God is looking for fruit. Verse 6, a man had a fig tree. Go ahead and look at it. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit. Now, remember I told you in the past, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In this parable, the man illustrates God who planted a fig tree in a vineyard. Now, figs were common and are common in Israel. They ate fresh figs off the tree. They dried them. You know, I think of figs. I think of fig newtons. I can't stand a fig newton. Are there any fellow fig newton haters in the room? I'll hate on fig newtons. I'm from Philly. Everybody in Philly like fig newtons. I don't like fig newtons. They're nasty. And if you like them, God still loves you. So this man was looking for fruit or figs on a tree for three years and nothing. Now, Leviticus 19, here's your homework. Leviticus 19 says, when Israel came into the land, they should plant fruit trees. The first three years, you were not to touch any of the fruit. But in the fourth year, give everything to God. And then in the fifth year, you can eat from the tree. So here in Luke 13, it could be four years has passed and the owner was waiting to eat in the fifth year. And after three years, the tree should be producing fruit, but nothing. So the keeper of the vineyard said, well, let's just cut it down. But the man said, wait one more year. In the meantime, let's put some manure around it. Let's dig around it and see what comes forth. Jesus is saying, even a tree, give it time to bear fruit You just don't hack it down. When God, listen, sees no fruit in your life, he does not just hack you down. And you need to be glad about that. He does not just hack you down. Now, us, if we don't see fruit in somebody's life, we say hack them down. And Christians Christians are, ooh, Christians tough. Christian folk tough. Y'all heard me? <laughs> Christian folks are tough, man. They're like, oh, if I don't see any fruit in your life. Hack you down. Cut you down. Christians shoot the wounded. Boom. Man, brother, I just need, I'm having problems in my life. I can, 
you know, I'm just dealing with this situation and, man, I'm just feeling like God doesn't love me and I'm struggling and whatever. Oh, really, brother? Boom. <laughs> Christians shoot their wounded. We hack them down. That's not God. God doesn't hack you down when he doesn't see fruit coming from your life. Jesus says, if you have a tree that isn't bearing fruit for three years, let it alone. Give it another year and then dung it and dig it. Dung it and dig it. God is looking for fruit because, listen, fruit shows what kind of person you really are. You can carry your Bible all day long. Your Bible can be covered with the thickest leather all day long. You could come to church with your church gloves on. Anybody here with church gloves? Nice hat looking all spiritual. All day long. And claim you're a Christian all day long. But God is looking for fruit. We want to see how much a Christian you are. When trials come in your life, how do you respond? When people come against you, how do you respond? When people talk about you, how do you respond? When people, when you don't get the promotion, somebody else gets it on the job, how do you respond? When, when folks is going to happy hour, which ain't happy at all, but okay. But when folks is going to happy hour, how do you respond? When people telling off-color jokes, how do you respond? When people are dropping innuendos, because we live in an innuendo culture. Everything's an innuendo, a sexual innuendo. Everything. Everything is sexualized in our culture. Wrigley Spearmint gum. Now how you going to sexualize a piece of gum? They got two models, eh, that wearing scantily clad clothing. And they chewing gum like it's, oh, yes. <laughs> Everything's the innuendo. How do you respond in the workplace when people are telling jokes or at school when people are telling jokes and saying stuff? How do you respond? Fruit, fruit. Fruit, how, what's coming forth from your life? That's what God is looking for. People say, well, Christians are not to judge. No, that, that's correct. We're not to judge because we can't send anybody to heaven or hell, but we should be fruit inspectors. We should be looking for fruit. We shouldn't be critical, fault-finding, sin-sniffing, but we need to look for fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit, fruit, and likewise, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. Jesus said, you will know a tree by the, somebody help me, the fruit that it bears. The fruit that it bears. Looks like a lemon. Smells like a lemon. Tastes like a lemon. It's a lemon. An apple tree will produce apples, not watermelons. And if the Lord has really touched your life, it should show in the fruit that you bear, even if it takes a while for that fruit to come forth. First principle is God is looking for fruit. The second principle, if you're tracking with me, is God is patient with Israel. Contrary to some folks' opinion, listen to me, God is not a wrathful God. Can the church say amen? God is patient. Can the church say amen? God is loving. Can the church say amen? God is merciful. God is long-suffering. I think of Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Memory verse or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? You see, the problem 
is God's goodness, God's forbearance, God's long-suffering gets misinterpreted. You know, some people think when God doesn't judge someone for their sin, they think that it's God being tolerant of their sin. And God isn't tolerant of sin. God is allergic to sin. And God is waiting for you to use your head and submit your heart to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and be saved and turn from that sin. He's not tolerant from that, for that sin. And even worse, some people think that God's long-suffering and patience is God's approval. And they say, if God doesn't like my sin, then why doesn't God send a bolt of lightning, lightning and strike me down? I say, step away from that person. Why doesn't God strike me down? Listen, God isn't judging us not because he is tolerant and not because he approves, but because of his goodness, his forbearance, and his long-suffering. God is waiting patiently, and God is looking for fruit. The farmer in our text represents or illustrates God. So in this parable, God did not leave the tree alone. Here's the point. God gave it a second chance. If you hear nothing that I've said, if you heard nothing I said previous to this, please hear me now. God, our God, and perhaps you'll be able to say amen to this. The creator of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the savior of the world, the alpha and the omega, he is a God of second chances. Are you glad about it? He is a God of second chances. He really is. And all throughout the Bible, listen, you can see that God is a God of second chances. You know, Peter denied Jesus, and he gave Peter a second chance. Last week, Peter Wilcox, he, as I mentioned, he did a great job last week. And, and um, you know, I, I got the CD from the teaching last week. And generally, when I'm not in the pulpit, I, don't, uh, I encourage whoever's going to be in the pulpit not to preach from the same book that I'm teaching from. So uh, I heard on the CD last week, I don't know if he said, that, I don't know whether it was first or, or uh, whether it was second or third, but he said on the CD last week, I don't know, did y'all hear, were y'all in third, were y'all in third, who was in third last week? Okay, tell me, did he say this in, in second or third? Did he say it to you guys? He said he was teaching in Luke chapter 15, which is a book we're in, and he said that, um, that he knows that he shouldn't be teaching in that book, but I'll never find out about it? Was that in this service? Okay, it wasn't then. Was that second? Okay. Then I'm going to tell you all what he did, all right? Which is why you'll never see him again. Um, He told people, he goes, well, you know, I'm teaching in Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal son. I realize that Pastor Rodney's teaching in this chapter, but... uh, He'll never know about it. And, uh, and anyway, and if he does find out about it, so what? There's nothing he can do about it. So I'm listening to the CD, and I'm like, ah! you know. So I, I, he was in second service, actually, uh, today. And I said, Peter, uh, would you mind coming up on stage right about this point? And then he just kind of walked out. You know, he's like, over. But last week, he was teaching in Luke chapter 15, and he was talking about the prodigal son. And he was sharing with you that God is a God of second chances. You know the story of the prodigal son. 
When he came home, the son, he found his father waiting. The father runs out. He hugs him. He kisses him. It's in Luke 15. He gives him a robe. He puts on the ring. He puts on his shoes. He gives him a barbecue party. And he gives him a fresh start. God gives him a second chance. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. God gave Abraham a second chance. God gave Noah a second chance. He gave David a second chance after adultery. Elijah a second chance. Rahab the prostitute a second chance. He gave Lazarus a second chance at life. Uh, Say amen. amen. Say amen. And he'll give you a second chance at life. And maybe you're here today and you feel defeated, discouraged, depressed. I tell you something, your failure isn't final. Your failure isn't final. Your failure, your past failures do not determine your future. I'm telling you, I'm a witness. Your past, I'll wait, that's fine. And you should be glad about that. Because we're all, we're just in the flesh. We all stumble, we all fall. Who's righteous? Who's perfect? No one but. How come everybody on this side knew and nobody from this side on knew? Who's perfect? The only one perfect is? The only one perfect is? The only one perfect is? I told y'all there's power in these hands. I'm telling you there's something going on. I'm dead hot. They're sweating. Nobody's perfect. For we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God, in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? Die for us. Nobody's perfect. And we should all be thankful that God is the God of second chances, that our failures aren't Final. Our past failures do not determine our future. God is a God of second chances, and the only thing that you need to do in order to experience um, and to have that second chance is just what the Lord said here in our text: is to simply repent. Unless you repent, you will perish. So you need to repent. You need to change your mind. What's your situation? What's your circumstance? What have you done? What didn't you do? Well, you need to repent. And that just simply means to have a change of mind. And if you have a change of mind, it's going to change your heart. And when your heart changes, your actions will change. And your actions will not change until your heart changes. You understand? Because from the heart flows the issues of life. So your heart has to change. But all that has to begin in your mind. That's why the Bible says, let your mind be renewed. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when your mind is renewed, your heart will change. When you start thinking about that thing, mm, that's not right. That, that's not God. That's not of the Lord. You start thinking about that thing different, then your heart begins to change about that thing. And when your heart begins to change about that thing, then, then your walk begins to be different. And then you begin to show fruit of repentance, the Bible calls it. 
we need to simply repent. And when you repent and confess means to say the same thing God says about whatever it is. You repent and you say the same thing, then you have a second chance. God is the God of a second chance. God's not trying to hack you down. God's not trying to cut you down. God's trying to love you and strengthen you and encourage you and bless you. He said, I have a future for you and it is good and it is not of evil to give you a future and a hope, but you have got to ask him. Is somebody listening? You've got to ask him. And when you do, you receive, you experience a second chance. And it's a wonderful thing to walk with God. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.